Hey, Tech Leads, we're back. Welcome to the Tech Lead Coaching Podcast. This is a podcast for tech leads, hands-on engineering managers, and startup CTOs. We focus on these first-line leadership positions because they are terribly hard roles for most people. For most of us who find our way into these roles, they're a pretty big challenge because you're making a transition from an individual contributor to having to navigate all these complicated, unpredictable humans, and yet still be really technical. My name is Michael Rice, and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I plan to bring you some useful stuff you can put to use today to make you more effective in the role, whether you're brand new or you're highly experienced. This is episode number 55, and we're halfway through the week, Tech Leads. Today, we're going to explore some well-known and popular methods for persuasion, or one popular method, I should say. Remember, the new structure of these podcasts is that I'm going to float some ideas to you that you can put to use right away in your tech leadership. But really, the more thorough guidance is on my paid newsletter at michaelrice.substack.com, which, of course, I'll link to in the show notes. I think it's a bargain at 7 bucks a month because we're working hard to bring you insights and useful stuff you're not going to find anywhere else, I don't think. Don't forget, I have a bunch of free stuff to give you, and I'll describe it at the end of this episode. All right, let's imagine the scenario. Let's imagine you're a tech lead, and you called the team to a meeting room. You're sitting in a conference room. Maybe somebody's on Zoom or Hangouts or whatever. All this week and this morning, you've been trying to resolve some architectural issues, just some ideas about how to approach a project or the sprint and try to get through some, I don't know, some differences of opinion and stuff like that. Been trying to get them to move a little faster. You feel like they're stuck in the uh, analysis paralysis phase, but you want to be patient. You're kind of working through things. Then this big guy from security, the security team shows up, the lead security architect. You forgot that you had asked him to swing by at 1030 and it's 1030. The architect explains in a loud voice that the PCI uh, compliance requirements are changing in six months. So PCI is like one of those uh, payment card standards that you have to apply, uh, comply with. And your team handles payments. The architect reminds everyone, again, that he has two decades in the PCI business. He seems to do this every in every meeting. <laughs> but he's reminding you yet again how much experience he has in the business. But his voice and everything about him projects a strong sense of urgency, and everybody gets a little uncomfortable. They get uncomfortable when they have lunch with him, for the record. He says he can bend the rules for you this time, the compliance. He can stretch out the the deadlines a little, but he needs a commitment from the team. You say yes. Everybody in the room nods their head. But you say, but I've got six months. i got plenty of time, right? And he's adamant. He says, no, it's got to be ready in three months, three months ahead of time, because we need time to validate and test the changes. And then he reminds everybody again, the risks involved if we fail to be compliant. Everything from regulatory issues to lawsuits. And then he, just for final effect, reminds everybody that all the other teams are lined up and on schedule. Then he looks at his watch and says, I got to run. And off he goes. All of a sudden, the conversation has shifted from analysis paralysis and has focused on spending the rest of the meeting trying to figure out how to meet this new PCI requirement. And you're wondering what just happened. You couldn't get any traction with the team. I mean, you were trying to be patient, but you were also pushing and trying to make sure that everybody got to some kind of resolution. But this guy shows up, and all of a sudden, things are happening. You also notice that 
None of the four core behaviors were on, on display with the security architect showed up. There was no listening. It was all kind of the suggested command and control, even though he had no true authority over you. There was no sense of safety. He wasn't projecting any kind of vision other than just all of a sudden out of context, the security or the PCI requirements are changing. There was no relationship building, not a single question for the team. This is not how I coach you to be a tech lead, but yet he had influence, right? He got an effect. He got the effect he wanted, even though he had no true authority over your team and your development environment. He can't command and control you. But remember the definition of influence from Monday. The definition is it's an act or power of producing an effect without apparent exertion of force or direct exercise of command. Now, I know it feels kind of like he walked in here and commands the team to do it, but he doesn't have the authority to really make you do anything. Where you struggled, this guy crushed it. But why? Well, influence and persuasion are linked. Are linked. There's a famous book from Robert Cialdini. It's still kind of the, it seems like it's like the first and last word in persuasion science. If you Google around, there's plenty of books, but they all seem to rise and fall in uh, Cialdini's uh, persuasion book. I'll link to it in the show notes. He actually came from Arizona State, which is where I spent a little time. Simplifying, there are a number of uh, principles or shortcuts to persuasion that he documents in the book. I'm just going to walk through them. I won't even list them yet. We'll just walk through one at a time. I'm greatly simplifying his work, but the first principle is reciprocity. What did the security architect do, right? I mean, he was loud. He was he was uh, uh, obnoxious, and he was um, pushing the team. But he also, if you listen closely, he had promised to bend the rules a little bit for the team so the team feels obligated to reciprocate, right? They feel like humans strongly feel obligated once they've given something to return the favor. But the trick is, when using this this form of influence, is to make sure it's special, unexpected, and to go first, which is what he did, right? He said, it's a special deal for you guys. It, it was Nobody really expected it, and he moved first. So even though he was obnoxious, he had used one method of influence. You can do this in a nice way, of course. It's part of the four core, actually. By listening and paying attention first, folks will turn around and listen to you, for example, to name just one of the four core. Scarcity is another method he used. It's another principle from uh, Cialdini's book. In this case, the security architect raised the idea that there isn't enough time or resources to do the testing and the validation of the PCI compliance changes that your team needs to make. He even doubled down. Not only did he say it needed to be done in six months, but he needs to back up three months further to test and validate, right? So you only have 12 weeks, and he's putting all this pressure on you to say this time is a scarce resource. There's lots of scarcity in the world, right? Unique opportunities, short time, not enough resources, not enough, people are going quickly, you're going to miss out, FOMO, all kinds of stuff you can do for scarcity. Now, keep in mind, I'm not telling you to manipulate. It's just one way of influencing people, and people do it all the time, and I think they do it instinctively. They don't, it's just, it's like they learned to do this a long time ago. And they just kind of go straight to that method over again, over and over again. Another principle is authority, which I think was on strong display with the security architect. You know, as I made a point of highlighting that, you know, the architect always seemed to lead with the idea that he had tons of experience in the space and all the credentials about PCI compliance. And maybe he mentioned some certifications and stuff. But um, as obnoxious as that seems, 
I think authority is actually something that most of us in tech aspire to be. And I mentioned this before on Monday and definitely in the letter, on Monday's letter. It's the idea that we like idealize people like, idolize people like Steve Jobs, DHH, inventors of languages. We follow folks like Linus Torvalds because he knows the uh, Linux kernels past, present, and future better than pretty much anybody. And most of us kind of want to stop here. We think if we can just accumulate enough authority that, um, that we'll have all the influence we need. And it's true. It does actually create a, a form of influence, and it's a, it's a powerful tool. But it's not the only method, and it's certainly not the only um, technique I teach you in the four core. In fact, I raise the four core so much just because gathering enough authority takes a lot of time, energy, patience, and, and basically accomplishments, and, and in some cases a little luck. So another principle is called consensus. And that was also in display in the example. If you recall, the architect said, hey, look, guys, everybody else is getting on, (laughs) is complying. Everybody else is making their PCI changes on time. Why aren't you? And this is a really strong motivator for people, right? You want to make sure people don't really like being outliers um, very often. So the idea that everybody else is doing it kind of encourages you to stay in line, right? Humans are... um, kind of like pack animals in that way, right? Um, the next one is the principle of liking. Um, this uh, was not really on display. It, I didn't uh, make the example so the architect is likable. But you can imagine being likable is a great way to influence people. I mean, you don't want to manipulate people, of course. But if they like you and they respect you, then you're more likely to get results, right? And I'm not by liking, I, I don't think it means hey, let's be friendly, let's go have every lunch together and go to happy hour all the time, and I'll come over to your house on the weekend with my kids and stuff like that. Um, it, it's something actually simpler. It's more just kind of like, I, as, a, as a tech lead, I like what you do. I like your ideas. You listen to me. You respect my needs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reciprocate, and I'm going to allow myself to be influenced by you because, because fundamentally I, just, I like you and I like being part of your team. I like doing this. And um, this is an important part. It's something that... I personally focus my leadership a lot on. I don't think everybody does, but John Maxwell makes a big point of it when he talks about being in leadership or being in management is being very much in the people business. And so, you know, if you're not likable, it's, it's, <laughs> he's got some great speeches where he's like, it's tough to be in the people business if people don't like you. So likability is uh, very valuable, but there's lots of ways to do it. You don't have to be gregarious. You can be likable without having to be um, the friendliest guy in the room. Anyway, the last one I think is kind of manipulative, um, but that's because I think I don't really know how to do it in a way that it isn't manipulative, but the idea is consistency. So um, here the idea is that people strongly want to be consistent with their self-identity. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think you can. I'll probably have to write this out in more detail, but I think you can do it really effectively as long as you're um, doing it the right way. So the idea is, if you're like a software engineer and you really <clears throat> identify strongly with software craftsmanship principles, right? And you feel like as a tech lead, somebody's kind of getting off there, <laughs> off the craftsmanship and like kind of trying to sling some code out really fast and you don't want them to, you can kind of use the self-identity to pull them back to where you want them to be. Or vice versa, um, if they, if you have an opportunity or something that you want them to do, um, you could always raise um, the opportunities of being consistent with their self-identity. Of course, this requires that you understand them pretty well, 
Um, and you could use it as an example here with a team. Let's say the team, in the example I said, they are kind of stuck in analysis paralysis. Well, what if, what if traditionally the team has been really high performance? Maybe a, a non-manipulative way would be like, let them talk for a while, and at some um, point where it makes sense, you say, look, guys, look, we, we're a high-performance team. I know we want to do this right, but how can we do this and still get it done quickly um, and then still do it right longer term or something, right? So basically like appeal to the team's self-identity. Okay, so that was kind of a whirlwind trip through Robert Cialdini's, um, let's see, what are they? One, two, three, four, five, six shortcuts or principles of human persuasion. Like I said, I'm doing a, I'm not doing justice at all to Mr. or Professor Cialdini's work, but um, just wanted to raise these six points as things you can consider as ways to obtain influence over, not over your team, but with your team, with other constituencies in the organization, et cetera. So let's, Let's just kind of list them again, right? Reciprocity, people want to return favors. Um, scarcity, they will react to the idea that um, something is rare or special or time is short. Um, authority, this is one that we hit on a lot in corporate America. And the idea being that people will follow you because of your experience or superior knowledge or superior something, right? Um, maybe even title. Number four or five, four, I'm sorry, is consistency. So here the idea is that humans really want to be consistent with their self-identity. I've heard some people say it's actually one of the stronger motivators in the world is to be consistent with who you think you are. Um, I don't, I worry about this one, so I don't want you to hit it too much just because I'm not, it, it just worries me um, trying to influence that way without, you know, manipulating people. But but there, there, there must be ways to do it well. So let me know if you have a good way to do it. Um, liking is, I think, um, it sounds like a soft one, but I think it's a very strong one um, in the sense that, you know, people are going to be strongly influenced with, by you if, if they think you like them and if they like you. And, and as I said in the examples, it, it doesn't have to be like I come over to your house and, and our dogs go play in the front yard, right? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's more business-like than that. And then finally, um, consensus, right? So people are very strongly motivated by the acts of other people. And if the, um, they feel their work is, you know, highly inconsistent with what other people are doing, um, for the most part, that's a pretty strong, strong influencer. All right. Thanks for listening, Tech Leads. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Give us an awesome rating if you think it's worth it. <laughs> um, we are on a mission. We're trying to figure out this Tech Lead hands-on engineering manager, startup CTO thing, this frontline leadership thing where there are a lot of expectations and usually very little support. Thank you for taking me on the journey with you. I've got some free resources for you all the time um, on the email list, which is really kind of the main piece of what we're doing or what I'm doing right now. Like once a week or three times a month or so, I try to give out some free material and it's not just like, it's like pretty good stuff, I think. Um, we've got the Tech Lead Coaching Network, still waiting for the network effects on that. Got some people trickling into that, so I don't know, maybe it's promising. Um, the idea is for it to be a peer-to-peer coaching support system. I'm trying to pull it together. If you are in Los Angeles with me, you can come to a Tech Lead Workshops LA. Um, we still need to get one scheduled. We haven't had one for a while. Um, let me know if you want to start a similar meetup in your community. They're a lot of fun. Um, finally, you can download my free book, How to Be a Tech Lead on LeanPub. We'll definitely put that a link to that in the show notes, although on the book guys download it but promise me you won't read it right now 
<laughs> it's it needs a lot of updates. Um, I was skimming through it and starting to make some ed- edits, and it's it, it reads like a first draft. I mean, you know, it's like I thought the uh, I thought the cut I had was pretty good, but in retrospect, it's kind of embarrassing. So download it so you get your name on the list. But promise me you won't read it. And when I do the update, and then I don't know as soon as I can, um, Lean Pub will let you know. But no matter what. I want to hear from you. Drop me an email to me at michaelrice.com or hit me up on Twitter at Michael Rice. Um, go make the most of this opportunity, Tech Leads. It's a big step up in your career. You're going to do great, and we're on this journey together. <laughs> <laughs>